Good morning. I <laughs> uh, hope you're doing well this morning. Uh, the uh, pastor was handed two fresh batteries every Sunday morning, but the pastor has to turn the belt pack back on after he's given the batteries. And I think this would be a great time to thank our production team, Brian, Chantal, we got Tristan here, and Hannah. They're awesome, aren't they? Every single week, um, they do an amazing job. If there's a fail, it's usually right here, this guy right here. All right, so sorry about that. Um, would you join me in a word of prayer this morning? Let's dive in and let's just pray and ask God to bless our time this morning. Father God, we thank you so much for that sweet name that we just sang about. We thank you so much for that powerful name that we just sang about. We thank you so much for the name of Jesus. And this morning, we give you praise, and we give you glory, and we give you honor. And God, I pray that you would just be in this place, that your Holy Spirit would be in this place, that you would lead us to a place where we hear from you. We hear a clear word from your Holy Spirit. And may you pierce our hearts. May you investigate and inspect our lives. And as we embark on this new journey through some of the Psalms. God, I pray that we would be people who are changed by you and by your word to us. God, I pray that you would search us and find any sin that's in us. God, that you would help us to turn from that, that we would give glory to you through not only the words that we sing, but through our lives. And God, I pray also for for anyone who may have walked in this room today and they don't have a personal relationship with you, I pray that today might be a day where they come closer to saying yes to you and accepting you as their personal Savior, God. Be with us now. Guide us and direct us. Holy Spirit, may you give us wisdom and may you guide us into the knowledge of your word. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Psalm. We're going to be in Psalm 66. If you don't have your Bibles, the verses will be up on the screen. Uh, my name's Todd. I'm the lead pastor. I'm really glad that you're here. If you're a guest or if this is your first time or if you're vacationing, we're really glad that you're here today. And we, we're in the throes of summer. We're right in the midst of summertime. And uh, summertime is a time where, where we recharge. Am I right? It's a time where we, we, we kind of like rest and we, we get recharged for the rest of the year. It's a time where we might go away or some of you have gone away and you're here and this is your place of rest. Uh, my family and I spent uh, a week away and uh, at the beginning of the summer, just uh, the week before last, and uh, it was a time of, uh, for us of rest and, and to recharge. And unfortunately for my family, I've had a cold that's going on in six weeks. So their rest and recharge, I think, was like, hey, Dad, leave the hotel so that we can rest and recharge. Um, and uh, so I think I bothered them with my cough and all that. But we did get some rest, and um, that's what summer's all about. So we thought we'd come into this summer, and we would focus on uh, an area of Scripture that we often hear about, uh, we often sing about, but we don't often study, or we don't often enough study. And that's the Psalms. And so over the course of the, the whole summer, we're going to be in this series. And it's called Selah or Selah or even um, Selah is really the correct pronunciation of the word. It really doesn't matter how you pronounce it. But it's a word that's found throughout Scripture uh, on about 74 different occasions. 71 of those times 
it's found in one book, the book of Psalms. And so we thought we would take this summer and we would focus on doing exactly what I believe we were intended to do because of that word that was included so many times in Scripture, 71 times in the book of Psalms, three times in the book of Habakkuk. And I believe what that word means is really that we ought to pause and consider. When we look at the word in Scripture, there's a lot of misunderstanding about the word. And in fact, it's one of those words in Scripture that we don't really know a whole lot about. Interesting that a word that is written 74 different times throughout Scripture, we don't know a whole lot about. But it's a word that a lot of scholars believe was taken perhaps even from another language and kind of adopted um, by the, the Jewish culture and by the Hebrew language. And it has, to best that we can tell, several different meanings Sometimes it means a division, as in um, a separation in a poem or a, a, a work of art, a musical um, you know, work of art. Uh, it can also mean to praise and to lift up. It can mean to hang or weight in the balance. In other words, think about this and, and like hang it in the balance. Compare something else to it. Use it as a scale. But the definition that I think it most closely relates to is this last one that we see many scholars believe, and that is to pause and calmly consider. And so that's what we'll do this summer. You're going to hear different voices. You'll hear from different people. But we're going to pause and we are going to calmly consider so that we may focus our eyes' attention, our hearts' reflection on the God of the universe. And I think you're going to see that the God of the universe demands then a response from us. The God of the universe, the one that put the stars into space, that, that created the universe itself, that created you and me, and the very cells that make up our body is the very one who sent Jesus into this world to save us from our sins. So the God of the universe that we read about in Psalms and all throughout Scripture demands a response from us. And I believe our response should be to pause and consider God's words. The idea of pausing is all found for all throughout Scripture. It's found in the Old Testament and the New Testament alike. In fact, a few years ago, we had a whole um, series that we did in January on the idea of a Sabbath. And that's not what this series is at all. This is going to be a Godward-focused series. And as a response, then, what we should do in our lives. But th the idea of rest is not unique. The idea of God causing us or calling us to pause is not um, a unique idea, but here's what is unique, I believe, about Psalms and many of the Psalms that we're going to be looking at is, is that the reason that we pause is different, and the way that we pause is unique. The reason we pause is different, and the way that we pause is unique. What we do as a pause, based on what, who God is and what he has done, calls us to something very different. Psalm 37, 7 says this, that we should be still before the Lord and that we should wait patiently. Those are two ideas. I don't know about you. I have a hard time with being still and being patient. Being still and being patient. It's not easy for us to be still and patient, yet Psalm 37, 7 says that we should be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. And he says, fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his ways, over the man who carries out 
evil devices. Rest and pausing is a biblical idea. Jesus himself said in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 29, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. But I think that we need to understand maybe the difference between a spiritual pause and a physical and emotional rest. We need both, don't we? We need both. A message series on the Sabbath or on rest itself is something that really is a physical need that we all as humans have because we have limitations. I'm very quickly um, coming to the realization at 44 that I'm not 16 anymore. I want so badly to be 16, but I'm 44. And your body changes. And you have to find rest, don't you? I don't like it, but our bodies demand it. And so there's rest, but I think that we fail sometimes to understand that there's a spiritual pause that we need to take that's not necessarily, it may be tied to a physical need, it may be tied to a spiritual need, but it is rest and it is pause for the purpose of getting our spirits focused on who God is. When Cynthia and I lived in Atlanta, our, uh, our church did, um, we did a men's retreat at Berry College. And uh, Berry College is um, a college that is where my mom went to college. It's up in North Georgia, up towards Chattanooga. And uh, the men, we had about, I don't know, probably about 50 men. And um, Friday night after we all had worked in Atlanta and we were all extremely tired, um, we drove the probably about an hour and a half, two hours to, to get to Barry, and we, we went to this um, place on, if you know Barry College, it's just an absolutely beautiful place in the middle of, of the mountains, really, of, of North Georgia, and, and they've built there the most beautiful campus, and back, tucked away back in this campus is, is kind of this retreat center, and, and um, um, it's, it's an area that churches use, and I think Chick-fil-A uses it. They have a partnership there um, with Barry, and, and back in the back of the woods is, is this chapel, and so we were, as, as guys, we got together, and we, of course, we like to eat, so we ate. That's the first thing we did as men. We have to do that when we get there at like 8 o'clock at night after traveling, after being tired. And so we ate, and so we ate, and then we had about an hour and a half session where we had a speaker come in, and then we were done with the session, and I was like every other guy that was there that night. It was like 10 o'clock, and we're like, we've eaten, we've like eaten like physically, and we've eaten spiritually, and now what do guys want to do after they've done those two things? We want to sleep right? And so we all thought it's time to go back to the dorms and it's time to get a, you know, relatively good night's sleep. And the leader says, we're all going to walk down to the chapel for prayer time. Belly's full, tired from a long week, and we're going to walk down to the chapel for prayer time. Now the chapel is inside. It's just beautiful. It's made of that, that stone outside and on the inside it's all marble you could hear like if you dropped a pin you could hear it 
And so the leader says, let's go in and you guys spread out and I want you to have individual prayer time. Take your journal, take your Bible and spread out in the chapel. If you want to kneel down, if you want to sit down, if you want to lay down, that's fine. Let's just get in a good place with God. And we thought this is a great idea, except we all wanted to sleep. And so we began to pray and you could hear some guys, some guys were audibly praying, some were, you know, kind of whispering and And then there were most of us that were silent. And after about 10 minutes, it got really, really quiet. And then a few minutes later, reverberating from every corner of the chapel came the loudest, deepest, most authentic snore you've ever heard in your life. And finally, the leader's like, all right, everybody out. Let's go. Let's go get to bed. He he got it like he got it. There is a difference between physical rest, isn't there, and spiritual pause. And I think we have to know the difference. We have to understand the difference. But I want you to hear something today. If you're here today and you're a Christ follower, if you don't take spiritual pause to consider the things of God, you're missing out on something that is as needed for your life as physical rest and food itself. And if you've been a Christ follower for a while, You know, when you get to the place where you're depleted and you need to hear from God. Because the struggles, as Gino mentioned, he prayed about addictions. The struggles of life become amplified when we don't pause and consider who God is and how we should respond. And so that's what this series is all about. And we're going to begin in Psalm 66 which is one of the the chapters that has the most references to this word, Selah. And and so we're going to take a look at it, and we're going to consider this psalm, Psalm 66, 1 through 20. And throughout this summer, you're going to hear from different psalms. Some of them, you'll see that word. Some of you may not. But it is good for us to pause and to consider this and to hang it in the balance and to weigh it in the balance. Psalm 66, 1 through 20. Allow God's word to investigate our lives. Shout to the Lord, excuse me, shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Say to God how awesome are your deeds, so great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. All The earth worships you and sings praise to you. They sing praise to your name. Salah. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds toward the children of man. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the river on foot. There did we rejoice in him. Who rules by his might forever whose eyes keep watch on the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. Selah. Bless our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. Who has kept our soul among the living and has not let our feet slip? For you, O God, have tested us. Are you there this morning? Are you there this morning? Have you been tested? I know I have. You have tried us as silver is tried. You brought us into the net. You laid a crushing burden on your backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, yet you have brought us out to a place 
of abundance. I'll come into your house with burnt offerings. I'll perform my vows to you. That which my lips uttered and my mouth promised when I was in trouble. You ever done that with God? So did this psalmist here. I will offer to you burnt offerings of fattened animals with the smoke of the sacrifice of rams. I will make an offering of bulls and goats. Salah. Come and hear all of you who fear God, and I will tell you what he has done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth, and high praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished, if I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But truly, God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, because he has not rejected my prayer, or removed his steadfast love from me. What a beautiful, beautiful psalm. And many scholars are divided on, on this particular psalm. Psalms are kind of broken down into the ones that we know that David wrote, some that we know that he didn't write, and then others that we're not 100% sure of. This would fall into the last category. But there is a pattern, there is, there is evidence, and there, there are um, things that help us to indicate and help us to know um, that this is, this is a psalm like many of the other psalms that just gives praise to the Lord. But I believe that all of these call us to something as people. There's a pattern here. There's this pattern of instruction and response. If you look at verses 1, it says, Shout for the joy to God, all the earth. Verse 3 says, say to God, how awesome are your deeds. Verse 5 says, come and see what God has done. Verse 8, bless, O God, O bless our God, O peoples. And 16 says, come and hear all you who fear God, and I'll tell you what he's done for my soul. And in those are the, those are the request verses or the, the instruction verses, but the rest of the whole thing is a response to the choir master giving us the instruction. And so it's this Direction and response, direction and response. And I got to tell you that that pattern is something that is of God. It's something that is a reflection of God because he is so great in response to that, we should live a lifestyle that honors him, am I right? Because he has done so much for us, then we should honor him with our lives. His name is glorious, and so then, because of that, we should live lives that give him glory. We should sing with our mouths. Praise should be on our lips for who he is. And so even in the structure of the Psalms itself, with this instruction and this response, we see something of the nature of God. He is this way, and so then we should respond in kind. God reveals, we respond. God works, we respond. God is, and we respond. And I want you to see just two things that this author points out that God is that I think really applies to our life. And I want you to consider 
it in your life. God has so many things that he's done. And in so many of the Psalms, you'll see throughout the summer, whether it's David or whether it's someone else, a lot of people think this may have been King Hezekiah that wrote this. Um, and, and so many times, there's a reference to God's deliverance of his people from the hands of the Egyptians. The greatest example in the Old Testament of God delivering his people, there's a reference often back to that to support or to, to give God glory for what he has done because that up until the time Jesus came was the greatest example of one of the greatest deeds of God. And we see that referenced here. Here's God's deeds and I want you to consider that. God will rescue from calamity. Consider how God has rescued you from calamity. And we may pass over that and we may think, you know, our world is just, we don't have much calamity. We don't have a whole lot of trouble if you compare yourself or if we compare ourselves to, to the Hebrew people, to the Jewish people. But there are things in our lives that are just as troublesome. There, there are things that we have in our lives, whether it's imposed upon us or whether we do some things to create it, where we find ourselves in calamity. And I think that sometimes, even in my own life, even yesterday, just thinking through this, sometimes we miss the fact that God does rescue us sometimes from our own calamity and messes that we make ourselves. Verse 5 through 7 says, come and see what God has done. It is not wrong to give God praise, whether it's verbally, whether it's through your lifestyle, for the things he's done. Don't think that because you're, you're, you're not giving him praise for who he is, like there's this kind of like, well, I'm just going to, you know, like, man, if God will only do something that he says he's going to do, then I'll give him praise. We can give him praise for what he's done because he has done so many things for us that's great, beginning and ending with providing us deliverance from our sins through his son, Jesus. He says, come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds towards the children of man. He has turned the sea. This is the reference to God delivering the Israelites from the hands of the Egyptians. He's turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the river on foot. There we did rejoice in him who rules by his might forever. I love the fact that he reminds us that in the moment when God does deliver, whether it's from a financial situation, or maybe it's from a relationship situation, or maybe it's from an addiction, that right then and there what the Jewish people did is they stopped and they gave God praise. And I wonder what would happen in my life and in our lives if every time we see God working in our lives, we stopped and really gave him praise. Really right there, right in that moment. There we did rejoice him. Who rules by his might forever, whose eyes keep watch over the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. So consider how God has rescued you from calamity. I'll bet if you stop for a moment, you can think of a few ways that God has rescued you from trouble in your life. I know I get to a point in my life where I often shake my fist, maybe not literally, but in my mind and in my attitude towards God. And I say, why haven't you done all these things? And I think part of the struggle that we have as Christ followers 
is that we're always focused on what we don't have and maybe even what we feel like we need from God. And we don't consider what he's already done for us because he's done great things for us. Secondly, consider not only how God has rescued you from calamity, but the author says, I think he says, consider how you have been strengthened from difficulty. Consider how you've been strengthened from difficulty. Oh, I wish that I could be strong without going through some of the tests and some of the fire. But that's not the way that it works. I've said this before uh, here on Sunday morning, said it personally to, to many of you, and I've said it to, 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 you know, over here when we're meeting in Roots, and believe me, I've said it to myself a thousand times. God isn't necessarily going to pluck us out of our trouble. <laughs> in fact, he may allow us to have to go through that trouble, and I believe that sometimes it's to make us stronger. And here the author gives God praise for that in verses 9 through 12, who has kept our soul among the living And has not let our feet slip. Hey, we're still around, right? We're still here. It says, you brought us for you, O God, have tested us. I'm sorry. Verse 10. You have tried us as silver is tried. You brought us into the net. You laid a crushing burden on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water. Yet you have brought us to a place of abundance. And I'll say this again. I wonder if we would just stop and inspect our lives. Even in those times where we feel like God is not there. Even in those times where we feel like he has not met our needs. If we would stop and consider how abundant we have it. how rich we are. And I don't mean just financially, but we are financially rich as compared to the rest of the world. But I mean in spiritual things. I mean in terms of the people around us. And I have to often get my attitude straight and think about those things that he strengthened me through and with. And so consider how you've been strengthened from difficulty. But here's our response Here's our response in verses 1 through 3. We're to praise him. We're to praise him. Verses 8 and 20, um, just verses 1 and 2 and 3 says, Shout to the Lord for all the earth. Shout for joy to God all the earth, he says. I I don't know if any of you were up um, and and out and about this morning at about 6 or 6.30. But the sky was absolutely the most beautiful thing I've ever seen this morning. It was absolutely magnificent. And I got to tell you, I had a, I had a really um, very, very poor attitude yesterday. I, I was focused on all the negative things that are going on. I've been sick for six weeks, and I'm just kind of ticked off about it. And God understands that, and he cares about that. But you know what? My attitude was not in the right place. And I walk outside this morning, and it's just beautiful. Pinks and purple and white and It's just amazing. And I just thought, you know what, God? You've created all this. Who am I to complain? Who am I to focus on the things that are just annoyances, that are just minor trouble? You are so great. And this is the whole purpose of Selah, is to stop and to pause and to consider the ways of God. 
He says, sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. This is what we do in here on Sunday morning. Maybe you do it in your car a little bit too. That's fine, where no one else can hear you, okay? That's great, but this is what we do, okay? Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. This is why we lift our hands. This is why we praise. You'll hear more about that this summer. Bless our God, O people, verse, verse 8. Um, let the sound of his praise be heard. There's something in response to who God is and what he's done that needs to come from our lips. And we all have different personalities, and we all do that in different ways. But there's something of that that needs to come from our lips. Blessed be God, because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love. So our first response is to give him praise with our lips. Secondly, I think our response is that we fulfill the promises we make to God. Whoa. There are times in the midst of tribulation and the times, times in the midst of trouble where we begin to bargain with God, and that's a whole other message for a whole other time. <laughs> but when we make a promise to God, we ought to fulfill it. And when we do, we respond in a way that's honoring to him. He says, I'll come into your house with burnt offerings. That was how they honored God. There were other ways they honored God back then. I will perform vows to you. Vows to you. That which my lips uttered and my mouth promised when I was in trouble. Essentially what he's saying is, is that if you tell God you're going to do something, then do it. Be a man or woman of your word. And I got to tell you, I was completely and utterly convicted about this over the last week of my life. Because if there have been things and times in my life where I've said, God, I'm going to do this for you. And when things get tough, I fade and I fail. And if we are going to be people who respond to God because of who he is and what he's done, we're going to fulfill our promises. And lastly, we're going to listen to him and we're going to leave sin behind. I love this part. Here at the end of this chapter in verses 16 through 19, it says, come and say that next word with me in verse 16. Come and what? Hear. You know what we have to do to be able to hear from God? We have to stop. And I have found that most of my talk to God is often complaints and requests and insignificant things until I get my attitude right to him. He says, come and hear all of you who fear God, and I will tell you what he's done for my soul. This is that soul rest. I cry to him with my mouth and high praises on my tongue. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Iniquity is another word for sin. And I think if we as people continue in whatever it is that we are, that area that we are disappointing God and sinning, if we are followers of him, we're not responding in a way that sings his praise. And we need to lean into that, the conviction that the Holy Spirit brings us, not the guilt that pulls us down, but the conviction that he leads us to. In the beginning of the first church when Peter was preaching and so many people came to Christ, um, he used a word that we don't use much in our language, and it means it's the word repent. We don't talk about it much, but there's one thing to, um, to admit to God that you're, you have a sin or a struggle or an addiction in a certain area. It's another thing to fully put 
an act of repentance in his hands. The word repent literally means to be going in one direction and fully turning and going in another direction. And I believe that there are some areas of my life and our life and the modern church where we are not honoring God with our life. And perhaps he wants us to find out what that is deep down in our hearts and in our lives and to not just admit that we're sinners and not just to admit that to him and confess it, but also to turn from it and just to stop it. And I'm, I'm no better than you. This isn't me talking down to you. We all have areas like this. One of the best ways that we can honor God is through how we live our lives. One of the best ways that we can respond to who he is and what he's done is not just with our lips on Sunday morning, as good or as bad as that may sound to the person sitting next to you. One of the best ways that we can do that is to live a life that's worthy of his praise. When I was a kid, um, we, I was born in Dunedin, Florida, and we grew up in Clearwater. I grew up in Clearwater for the first six years of my life, and there was this little duck pond. And I remember walking out and, um, to feed the ducks, and that was cool and fine, and I learned you shouldn't ever feed a duck. Uh, as a kid, really quick, because they all come when you feed one, right? But the other thing that I loved doing is I loved shouting over this little lake. Here we call them lagoons because it's Hilton Head. Lagoons, okay? So I'll, con I'll contextualize this. It was a lagoon, all right? And I remember shouting over that lagoon, um, and I would hear my echo come back. And you've probably done that before. You've been in, a, at a, in this little area where you hear your echo. Um, say la means that we stop and we pause and we consider carefully who God is. And we carefully consider our lives to see if it's an echo of who he is. Is it a reflection of him? And if not, stop and allow him to change our lives. God, thank you so much for these words. God, thank you so much for how good you are how great you are. What a good God you are. And God, your purpose is not to beat us down into submission. It's not to guilt us. It's not to look better than us or to try to make us feel worse than you. In fact, it's just the opposite. You want us to come to a place of reality of who we are and who you are and you want us to respond. And perhaps the way that we respond is by putting our trust in you first. Maybe there's someone in here today and um, say la for you means pausing and considering that God is a God of deliverance and salvation. And just like he saved a whole nation of people by allowing them to cross the Red Sea on dry land, um, you realize today that he saved you by sending his son to die on the cross for you and maybe today is the day that you need to say yes to Jesus and that's your response that's what you do after you've paused and considered the things of God maybe for you today it's um, as Gino prayed an addiction that you've been really struggling with maybe it's something that you place your trust in in a higher deeper more meaningful way than you even place your trust in God maybe it's a a lifestyle, maybe it is worry, 
or another emotion that you see, seem to keep coming back to. And perhaps right now God's Holy, Holy Spirit is just knocking on the door of your life saying, you know what, um, I love you. He's saying, I love you and I care for you, but I want what's best for you. And I want your life to be a true echo of who I am. And maybe today is a day where you just need to talk to God as we sing here in a moment. And maybe today is a day you just need to just to confess and repent and turn from that thing or those things. God does not want you to feel judged. But he does want you and your life to be an echo, a true reflection of who he is and what he's done for you. And he wants that from me and he wants it from us and he wants it from his people. So God, right now, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just do a work in this place as we sing to you, God. I pray that those who um, may have never accepted you as their savior, I pray that they might do that today. That they might say yes to you, that they might come to a place where they accept they realize that they're a sinner and that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for them and they accept you as their personal savior. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as your savior, I'm gonna pray a, just a really short prayer. And I wanna encourage you, I wanna challenge you just to pray this in your heart to God the best way that you know how. He doesn't care about the words. He cares about your heart. So if you're in here and you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, I want to encourage you to pray a prayer, something like this. God, thank you so much for sending Jesus to die for my sin. Today, I realize how far I am from you. And right now, I accept you as my personal Savior. I receive Help me now to live for you. If you prayed that prayer or something like it, I won't embarrass you, but I just want to pray for you with every head bowed and every eye closed. Would you just raise your hand, please? I just want to pray for you. Anyone else today? Anyone else today? Anyone else? God, I thank you for these who have raised their hand to accept you as their Savior. God, I thank you that their eternity is for sure in heaven because of what you've done, because of your deeds, because of who you are, because you're a loving and gracious God, because you're a saving God. We thank you for that, and we give you glory, and we give you praise for that, God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.